Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In segment three, Chris Wright. He's the president of the Minnesota Timberwolves. The T-Wolves are doing some creative things for those fans who may be challenged by the down economy. We're going to tell you about all of the creativity of the Minnesota Timberwolves in this week's Sweet Success segment sponsored by Moose Tracks Ice Cream. That's coming up in segment three. In segment four, Sports Sense. Kevin Pritchard, the general manager of the Portland Trailblazers, joins us. We'll talk to the man who has turned the Trailblazers from the Jailblazers of a few years ago into one of the best young rosters and organizations in the NBA. That's coming up in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my Sports Business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Become our Facebook friend. Follow me via Twitter. Just visit my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com and link to the Sports Business Radio Facebook and Twitter pages. Well, it's the Magic and the Lakers in the NBA Finals, the Pens and the Red Wings in the Stanley Cup Finals. We're going to give you the latest on the TV ratings for both series. LeBron James made headlines this week, and it wasn't publicity of the positive type. And Manchester United has a new sponsor for their jerseys. AIG is out after financial troubles. Who's in? We'll tell you. That's coming up next in Headlines. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one. ESPN averaged a 6.2 cable rating and 8.7 million viewers for five telecasts of the Lakers-Nuggets Western Conference Finals, marking the network's highest rated and most viewed conference finals ever, surpassing a 4.8 rating for the Pistons' heat in 2006 and 6 million viewers for Celtics-Pistons in 2008. The network posted a 3.7 cable rating and 4.8 million viewers for 19 total broadcasts during the 2009 NBA playoffs, its highest rated and most viewed NBA postseason ever. ESPN set ratings and viewership records for the second consecutive year, besting a 3.3 average rating and 4.1 million viewers 
for 21 games during the 2008 NBA playoffs. TNT also enjoyed success. For 43 total NBA playoff telecasts this season, they posted a 23% ratings increase over 41 games last year in the adults' 18-49 to demo. The network drew an average of 8.6 million viewers for the Magic Cavaliers Eastern Conference Finals. We'll see how the Magic and Lakers fare in the NBA Finals on ABC. It's not LeBron versus Kobe, but as long as the series is competitive, it should get decent ratings. Game one, kind of a stinker. And uh, if the series goes along those lines, Bobby, superstars on ABC starting June 23rd. I'm kind of intrigued by that. That may end up with better ratings in the NBA Finals on ABC, which would be not good for ABC. If the Lakers continue to blow out the magic, it's going to be a quick series, and the executives at ABC will be scratching their heads because they'll lose a lot of money. Well, as we said last week, just because you have a big name in the Finals doesn't mean you're going to get good ratings. LeBron James, he got swept by the San Antonio Spurs a few years ago. Big name, lowest rated Finals of all time. Headline number two, Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Finals drew the largest audience to Versus in its history as 2.96 million viewers tuned in Tuesday night to see the Penguins defeat the Red Wings 4-2. Now, NBC and Versus flipped their broadcast schedules for the first time this year as the broadcaster carried the first two Stanley Cup games and Versus assumed the rights for Games 3 and 4. Last year, Versus averaged 2.48 million viewers with those first two finals matchups through three games the 2009 Stanley Cup finals is averaging 4.2 million viewers on NBC and versus that's up 42 percent from last year's three million viewers game one of the Penguins Red Wings series averaged 4.4 million viewers on NBC Saturday night while game two drew 5.4 million viewers Bobby quickly this is an interesting setup mainly because NBC had to go back-to-back last weekend, Saturday and Sunday, with Games 1 and 2 because NBC didn't want to take a chance that Game 2 would go into overtime on Monday night and interrupt the debut of Conan O'Brien. Absolutely, and you know what? It was a good gamble on their end. I mean, they're pulling in almost 4.5 million viewers. Not too bad. Well, and can Commissioner Bettman and Commissioner Stern, can they get together and, like, schedule their finals matchups on different nights? Thursday night, you have Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Game 1 of the NBA Finals, two huge events. These guys who used to work with each other, you'd think they would communicate and at least schedule their finals matchups on different nights. I didn't understand that at all. Headline number three, huge headline this week. Global insurance giant Aon Corporation is replacing fellow business-to-business insurer AIG as the jersey sponsor of Manchester United, arguably the world's most renowned team sports brand. Sources put the four-year deal between 30 and $32 million per year. The Aon logo is not scheduled to appear on the Man U jersey until next June. However, the new jerseys could appear at retail late this year in time for holiday shopping. Now, AIG has been the shirt sponsor for Man U since 2006, but following AIG's bailout by the U.S. government, the company announced in January that it would not renew the deal after expires following the 2009-2010 season. Our last headline of the week. Not a great week for LeBron James. He was fined $25,000 for skipping the postgame news conference after Cleveland lost to Orlando in the Eastern Conference Finals. James left the court without shaking hands with anyone from the Magic. He then left teammate Mo Williams and head coach Mike Brown to face the media at the postgame press conference as he sat on the team bus. 
He then had to have surgery this week, and that turned out fine, but uh, he was at the Cleveland Clinic for a few days for an uncomfortable surgery. And then he had a conversation with Commissioner David Stern, where Stern informed him that he was going to fine him $25,000. Stern, at his press conference before Game 1 of the Magic Lakers, issued an apology on behalf of James, who says he will come out at some point and formally apologize for his actions. Now, Bobby, the thing that was interesting initially was reports earlier in the week, David Stern didn't look like he was going to fine LeBron James, and then people came out and said, hey, a few years ago when Shaquille O'Neal did this with the Miami Heat, he got fined twenty five grand. The Heat got fined. How come there's a different set of rules for LeBron James? And credit David Stern, just like he did with the game ball situation and other situations. When he's wrong, he admits it, and I think at the end of the day, he handled the situation correctly. Absolutely. Just because LeBron is one of the top two superstars in your league does not give him a free pass on anything, and I think Stern did the right thing. Yeah, and LeBron made a mistake here, and I think he learned from it. Hopefully he doesn't make the same mistake again. He hasn't made those mistakes in the past, so we'll give him a pass this time, and we'll see what happens in the future. All right, coming up next, Chris Wright. He's the president of the Minnesota Timberwolves. After that, Kevin Pritchard, the general manager of the Portland Trailblazers. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. I'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. I've got a confession to make. I'm a sucker for good ice cream. There's nothing better than watching a sporting event while enjoying an ice cream cone, or better yet, fixing an ice cream sundae with my daughter. Lucky for me, I found an indulgent ice cream at an affordable price. Moose Tracks ice cream comes in a variety of flavors, including chocolate Moose Tracks, extreme Moose Tracks, mint Moose Tracks, and of course, original Moose Tracks, just to name a few. What's my favorite Moose Tracks ice cream flavor? It's chocolate Moose Tracks, which is chocolate ice cream with peanut butter cups and famous Moose Tracks fudge. For a chocoholic and peanut butter lover like me, it's heaven. What's your favorite Moose Tracks flavor? To find the Moose Tracks branded store nearest you, check out the store locator at moosetracks.com. That's M-O-O-S-E-T-R-A-C-K-S dot com. Or find the Moose Tracks banner on our website at sportsbusinessradio.com. Moose Tracks Ice Cream, the official ice cream of Sports Business Radio. Success. I have great news for you. How sweet it is. Right on, sweet sister. Time to highlight a winning move from the world of sports business. Oh, man, that's sweet. Sports Business Radio presents Sweet Success. That'd be sweet. Brought to you by Moose Tracks Ice Cream. To find Moose Tracks at a store near you, check out the store locator at moosetracks.com. My guest is Chris Wright. He's the president of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Wright is in his 18th year with the Timberwolves, and he's responsible for the day-to-day operations of the team. Chris, thanks for joining us this week on Sports Business Radio. Pleasure. Nice to be with you guys. So, Chris, obviously we're in a tough time economically right now, and there are lots of different teams trying different ways to engage their fans, keep their sponsors, but there's something that you guys have done recently that really caught my attention. It's called the No Risk Pledge. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about the No Risk Pledge, if you would? Uh, well, Brian, I mean, uh, we, we get into pricing for the next season, probably uh, about halfway through our current season, and we we do that by going out and doing a lot of research around different things that might be happening with um, you know our consumers, our clients, our season ticket holders, et cetera. And obviously, as the economy turned, um, you know, back in January, February of this past year, um, our research 
basically, as it came back to us, told us that people, you know, were uh, very afraid for their jobs, uh, very afraid that the economy was going to continue to erode, um, and that sort of some of their major buying habits might change because of the uncertainty of really the future. And we presented um, our findings from a research standpoint to our owners. And, um, you know, they asked us to, you know, come up with ideas around how we could um, continue to try and consolidate our season ticket base, uh, but at the, the same time really address the fear factor that a lot of the, the different consumers in our market had. So essentially, this no-risk pledge, as I understand it, is if someone loses their job during the year 2009, then they can get out of their tickets. Is that how it works? Yeah, correct. So, um, uh, you know, there were three things from that research that absolutely sort of stood out to us. Um, You know, one, some type of protection. What happens if I do lose my job and, and therefore I can't, for whatever reason, continue to come to your games? although I might have paid for all of those games in advance, what can you do for me? The second thing was affordability. And, you know, we felt that, you know, based on our team performance, the economy, we needed to sort of go backwards in terms of a lot of our season ticket pricing. So we we actually rolled back 95% of our season ticket prices for this next year. And then there were some sort of red flags around the convenience of, uh, particularly around payment schedules. But the no-risk part of that in the end is we sat down and we actually, uh, by then Hyundai came out with um, you know, their version of what they consider to be uh, their no-risk pledge, which is for all intents and purposes, you lose your job and they will you know, allow you to take your brand new purchase of a Hyundai back to Hyundai. Uh, we, we said, Let, let's analyze really what our version of that is. Um, and knowing that our key stakeholders, our season ticket holders who were going to buy new and also renew their season tickets, we're really going to do it um, from around about March through probably around about September 1, knowing that those payments for those season tickets are due in, in, in terms of that window of time. We felt that what we should offer them is that, hey, if somewhere down the road, and you need resources as now somebody who has been laid off from your job, you know, that we would return the value of any unused tickets that they had at that particular time. So if somebody gets laid off, you know, and on December 1 and they've been to five games, then what we would do is return 36 games of value back to them. Wow. What's the response been? I mean, I would imagine that this has been a nice boost for you guys, knowing that people can – Go ahead and plunk their money down with this, uh, you know, this guarantee that if they do lose their job, that they're going to get their money back for the tickets that they aren't able to use. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's simply a security blanket. So, so what you're doing is you're taking the fear out of the transaction, knowing that if for whatever reason their economic circumstances change, um, you know, there is there's a way out of something that they've committed to. So. The, the, the real plus to us is that we are tracking from a renewal standpoint well in advance of the previous year's numbers. We're tracking from a new sales standpoint um, by over a 33 and a third percent um, increase in season ticket sales year over year. In fact, as we begin to sort of look at our numbers, we haven't had a start to our renewal campaign on new season ticket sales since the 2003-2004 campaign when we, when we came out of a Western Conference run. 
So we're excited that consumers, as they look at the no-risk pledge, um, what they're saying to themselves is, hey, why wouldn't I renew and why wouldn't I buy new in that the, the Timberwolves are guaranteeing my money back if anything does happen to me economically? We're joined by Chris Wright. He is the president of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Chris, something else you guys are doing, it's called early bird pricing. It's running now through July 1st, provides the best season ticket pricing for a limited time. And I see that you can get lower level season ticket prices for as low as $15. Upper level seats start at only $5. For people who follow NBA basketball and most often talk about ticket prices that not everyone can afford, those are amazing prices. Well, I, you know, you've, you've got to do the right things at the right time. I mean, and, and our, our moons have aligned for us to be able to do that. I mean, if, if you take a look at the world as we knew it 12 months ago versus what it is like today, take a look at the, the fear that consumers have um, around the economy. Take a look at, you know, for all intents and purposes, a team that is really rebuilding since the Kevin Garnett era here. And, and suddenly you have a number of influences that are coming together to say, okay, let's, you've, you've still got to build that home court advantage for your team. We still want to pack Target Center. We want, still want to create evenings out for these consumers who still need that release away from the tensions of the world, their jobs, the economy, etc. How are we going to put them in our building? And let's come up with a, a, a price point, and that goes to, back to research, the affordability factor. What do, you, what do you do to sort of encourage them to choose you over probably many of the other options that exist in all of our markets today? Um, and so we did. We did, a, we did a massive rollback of prices on a season-long basis, and we have four player-branded sections in our, our lower level with Mike Miller, Kevin Love, Al Jefferson, Randy Foy, uh, plastered all over the areas where these seats are. And you can go and sit in those areas at $15 for every game. And as part of that, you'll get you know, an autographed ball from one of those players and a meet and greet with one of those players during the season. Meanwhile, in the upper level, you know, you can go upstairs for and you can buy two upper level season tickets in probably about row five in the corners for $430. Um, and then you have a convenient payment plan where for nine months you can pay $46 a month and pay off those two season tickets and go and see 43 NBA games next season. So what we try to do is really address all of the areas that our consumers told us were they were afraid of. You know, are we going to be affordable? You know, how do we get our money back if we do lose our jobs? And can you give us a convenient way to pay, given the circumstances of the economy, our jobs, our bills, etc.? Well, and on top of all of that, what I hear from most fans is they want access. And you're giving them access. You're giving them what you just said, a meet and greet, an autographed basketball. You're giving them more than just, hey, I just plunked down my credit card. I'm getting to go to some games, which is cool. But now I'm getting to get an autographed ball. I'm getting a meet and greet with the player. That's what I find when teams are offering incentive programs. The number one thing I hear besides affordability and flexibility of payment schedule is I want some access with the players and the key decision makers of this team. And you're doing that. And I tip my hat to you. Well, thanks, Brian. I, I really appreciate that. And I'm, I'm really proud of our guys. Um, we have a very, very young roster. And, yeah, we do have to figure out a way to win games here with that young roster. But at the same time, this group of young men uh, that we have down there are, are probably one of the best groups of young men that I've ever been around. And they, 
they really do bring it every night. They responded to Kevin McHale as, as our head coach halfway through the season, uh, put in a, you know, a great effort, although we lost Corey Brewer and, and Al Jefferson through ACL tears. Um, these guys also give it back to the community. I mean, we're doing more appearances than we've ever done. We're doing more meet and greets than we've ever done. And, and you know, uh, credit to the NBA as well in encouraging us as um, a, a group of people here in Minneapolis anyway that have got to win back the market uh, and encouraging us to really get these young men out there. And uh, they have responded wonderfully. Chris, last question for you. You've been with the T-Wolves, as, as I said at the beginning of the interview, for 18 years. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen with the business side of the NBA over that time? Well, you know, it's, um, it, it's an amazing world where uh, information is absolutely key, communication is absolutely key, and, and, and the, the, the methods by which people gain information um, you know, around our players particularly and around the operation is just absolutely phenomenal. So, you know, you have a group of fans that today follow you via Twitter. You have a group of fans who follow you on Facebook. You have uh, MySpace pages. You have your own website. You have people who still prefer letters, but most people prefer emails. Some people prefer text. I mean, I think it's just the level of communication and, and really the areas that different sort of segmented groups prefer to, re, to receive all of the information that you have to share about your team, your players, your brand, and your club. Um, consumers today are not herded around like cats. They're all individuals who demand that you treat them as individuals and treat their preferences in, in a very, very professional way. So you've got to be very, very nimble. You've, you've got to be probably bigger. You've got to be quicker. You've got to be able to communicate with all of your constituent groups in, in, a, in a much more varied environment than ever before. Well, Chris, you guys are doing a fantastic job there in Minnesota. I commend you with uh, your efforts, and uh, we'll keep a close eye on the development and growth of uh, your Minnesota Timberwolves team. Thanks, Brian. Enjoyed it. Anytime. Thank you very much, Chris. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods. Featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, Go online to mortons.com. Mortons, the best steak anywhere, and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. 
My guest is Kevin Pritchard. He's the general manager of the Portland Trailblazers. Kevin, congratulations on a fantastic season. 54 wins and the number four seed in the playoffs. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, glad to be on. So after having a few weeks to kind of decompress and reflect on this past season, seeing this group of talented young players get to the playoffs for the first time, what was the biggest revelation for you from this past season? Well, probably the biggest thing was seeing the young this young team grow up right in front of our eyes. Right. You know, we 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 seem to get better as the the year goes on or went on and you know, with a young team, <clears throat> sometimes you worry about do you taper off towards the end. And uh so it was interesting to see that they got better and uh they showed some real grit and toughness uh down the stretch. You know, we won <clears throat> I think 10 out of our last 11 or 10 out out of our last 12 going into the playoffs and uh, felt like we uh, improved maturity-wise and toughness-wise. Yeah, it really seems like a resilient bunch. And, uh, you know, I credit Nate with some of that, too, because it seems like the team has really started to kind of take on some of his tough-minded personality. No question. And, um, you know, the whole thing is you have to go through a process in this league. You know, you, you can't just immediately in one or two years be a top level play, player it just it just very rarely happens you know even with the, the the best players that come in this league it takes some adjustments and boy it was a lot of fun to see him uh, grow up and um we expect big things from him in the future so we talk about adjustments the NBA draft coming up on June 25th you have the 24th pick you have four second round picks by my calculations you've got about 7 million dollars in cap space and like we've been discussing, you've got one of the most talented young rosters in the league. Looking back on last year and looking towards the future, where do you need to tweak things? Well, we're not in a rush to do anything. That's that's the, the luxury that we have with a young team. <clears throat> with a maturing team, you know, you always feel like, you know, I've got to get younger, i got to get younger at a certain position. We don't have that. I'd uh, like to add some experience like to add somebody that really understands how to play in the playoffs to help uh, our team understand that. But in terms of of specific positional needs, I'm not really worried about that. I've never worried about that. I've worried about how does the team react to someone coming in? Does does that person fit? Does they fit our culture? And are they a good enough player to take us to the next level? Because Nate's a great coach. He seems to I mean, seem he finds ways to put players in a position to succeed, and so that's not as important. Plus, we have so much flexibility with our positions because we have um, Brandon who can play one, two, or three, Rudy who can play a little two, a little three, and maybe a little one next year. Um, Blake can play one or two. Bayless can play one or two. Uh, you know, and and you look at our threes, there are threes and they can play some fours and some can go pl- down and play some twos. So we have such flexibility with our roster in terms of position. I'm not as worried about that. Yeah, you really have a versatile roster. One guy that I just, I can't believe you uncovered and who had a fantastic season last year. I'd never even heard of him before last year. Nicholas Batum. Yeah. Where, where did you find this kid? He, I'll tell you what, he is... Um, He's really a treat to be around. That's that's the one thing. He's very mild-mannered. Uh, we saw him play in France. I, I went and saw him a couple times. I felt like that, um, you know, he came into summer league and didn't perform offensively very well, but defensively he just graded out terrific. 
And then he came into uh, vet camp and was not afraid. He played against Brandon Roy in practice, and Nate got comfortable with him. And uh, we think sky's the limit for him because his talent level is terrific. He's long. He's athletic. Uh, he, he knows the game, and he's becoming a better cerebral player. And, uh, boy, we, we really like him. He's, he's definitely part of our future. Joined by Kevin Pritchard. He's the general manager of the Portland Trailblazers. Kevin, it's a weird time in the NBA right now. There are several NBA owners who are hurting financially because their day-to-day business interests are suffering. In an effort to unload big salaries, there may be several star players on the market. Are you getting the sense that this is going to be a pretty active offseason and that players that might normally not be available might be available this offseason? I think what is going to happen is you're going to see teams really buy early, um, be aggressive early, and then uh, then you have this musical chair, so to speak, you know, and some players get caught without out, um, the chair and, and then some good deals for teams and fair deals for players. And uh, it'll be interesting to see who's the aggressors early and who sits back and really tries to find some value. Uh, because this, this summer's unprecedented. We, we don't know how it's going to play out. It's a whole new, uh, new uh, ball game. Yeah, and it seems like, I mean, gosh, it's been reported so much in the last few years. Everyone's trying to get under the cap to be able to sign the big free agents that are coming on the market next summer. LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, guys like that. So it will be interesting to me to see who kind of takes a chance this summer. and Or does everyone just kind of sit back and wait for next summer and spend their money next summer? Yeah, you know, that is a big thing. Everybody's looking out of that 210 year. Um I worry that, you know, you have all these players, you know, hypothetically moving and then none could. Right. Um, So I'd be careful with that model. I think you have to draft well. You have to sign good players to good contracts. And then, you know, hopefully that they can grow all together. And that's what we've tried to do. I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. I'm just telling you that I think there's a high risk in that and that you're waiting for that one player uh, to come to your team. So I don't know about that. Which is happening more frequently for you these days? Are you taking calls from other teams about players on your roster, or are you reaching out to other teams to see which players might be available and how much they would cost you? Well, I don't think that's important. I mean, we make uh, outgoing calls every day, and we take calls every day. Sometimes it's just, you know, uh, simple banter. Sometimes it gets into specifics, and you move down the line and try to get a deal done. But, I mean, every single day we're in the office, we're working the phones, uh, and I feel like we're very aggressive. We've been very aggressive in the past. But, Brian, I, one thing that I, I think is pretty clear is that, and it makes sense at least to our group and our coaching staff, is we don't have to do as much as we've done in the past because right. we've moved in the, in this direction. It doesn't mean we're not going to be aggressive, but we're more selective, and we don't have to take such high-risk deals. I'm just wondering, I mean, the art of sitting in, in your chair or a GM's chair, how many times do you call about maybe a certain player and then you find out that another player is available? I guess I go back to a few years ago with uh, Randy Fun and Pat Riley and the way the Shaquille O'Neal deal went down where, you know, it didn't even seem like Shaquille would be on the market, but then all of a sudden they find out he is and they're able to make that deal. Uh, any insight there is for our listeners how many times that might happen to you? Well, it does happen. Um, but if, if you're working the phones, if you're talking to people consistently, normally, you know, what's going on, uh, or who's available. 
Um, and if you express interest in a, in a player and they're about to do a deal with another team, usually a courtesy call to say, listen, I'm about to do something. What's your best offer? And if you can't satisfy or, or, or beat that offer, they go in another direction. And that happens. Uh, most, most GMs allow that. And that way you, you typically allow the auctioning proposition to, to build itself up and get the best, best deal. You don't see you don't see really GMs taking the first deal. That that rarely happens. I've never known that to happen. They usually wait it out and figure out what's the best for them and what's best for you. And then if it consummates and works, then you know all the best. Kevin, how big of a role do agents play in trades? Are you in conversation with them during that process, or do they just kind of find out, uh, hey, we're going to make this deal and your guys being sent here? I think it depends on the relationship. Uh, you know, obviously. When trades are made, you certainly want um, a certain amount of, um, you know, non-information out there. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to be trading all your guys. Uh, and it depends on the uh, the player, but mostly the time it's GM to GM. Yeah, and then a lot of times, you know, I've seen the, one of the oldest tricks in the book is for a an agent to float a rumor out there that's not true, but they may want to get their guy to a certain place, so they put something out there through the press, right? No question. And sifting through all that, uh, there's so much, so many smoke screens. It's really unbelievable. You you have to focus in on what you know and not what you hear. Kevin, I want to talk about the collective bargaining agreement for a moment between the NBA and the Players Association. I think it's expiring at the end of the 2010-2011 season. If you were able to wave your magic wand and draft the new agreement, are there any changes you'd like to see made? Uh, sure there are, um, but that's way above my pay grade. That's up to <laughs> Mr. Stern, and uh, we're, we're going to let him do that negotiation. But I'm just wondering, you know, I, I like what was done the last time around where they lessened the length of contract a little bit. I'd like to see it lessened a little bit more. And I'm just wondering, uh, you know, if that seems to be the trend with GMs and with owners who don't want to get left on the hook for six years, used to be seven years. If you could get down to maybe three or four, maybe that would be a better scenario for you. Well, I don't disagree. But what I would tell you is that uh, Mr. Stern makes sure that no one else talks about the collective bargaining agreement. We believe in uh, the league and uh, we have to leave our opinions out of it. I hear you. All right, let's talk about Greg Oden. Uh, He got back out on the court last year. We saw some really good things from him. He did have some injuries, and um, it seems like he still needs to work himself into a little bit better shape. What do you want from him this offseason as he goes into his second season on the court in the NBA? Well, here's the good news. The good news is, you know, he came off that year. He played in 61 games, three quarters. He got in foul trouble. But when he played and played more than 20 minutes, we were a much better team. So we know when he's out there, he does affect the game in a positive way. Uh, I think he's got to work on getting in the best shape he possibly can for this upcoming year. And then more importantly, he's just got to play. He's just got to get out there. Uh, Talked to Bayless yesterday. Uh, He was in Columbus working with Greg. Now Greg's going to go back to Phoenix for a couple days. And the one thing I can tell you, there's not a harder worker in this league than Jared Bayless. So if he can be that positive influence on Greg right now, so be it. And they've they've made a pact that they're going to be in great shape and get ready and uh, and have a good year. And that's um, that's pretty cool. Um, uh, I'm, I'm very proud of that. And I know those guys 
uh, are working hard to make our season uh, a good season next year. No, that's terrific. Uh, you know, when I look at Greg, I saw a ferocious defender when he was in high school, when he was in college. Do you think he can be a ferocious defender at the NBA level? I think Greg's ceiling is so high that I wouldn't even want to just say he can be a ferocious defender. One of the things we noticed from our analytics is when he's on the floor, for some reason, I guess from the naked basketball eye, everybody else plays better. And the only the theory is, at least what we've come to think about, is that he attracts so much attention. Anytime he dies, two people are trying to block him out. Anytime he sets in a, a pick and roll, you know, he, he's, he's getting a lot of attention. Anytime that he catches the ball, he makes good reads out of the post. He's got to become a better low post player. But our analytics says when he's on the floor, everybody else plays better. And that's usually a sign of a very, very good player, even though his numbers weren't, you know, terrific. Uh, although we, we were very happy with it. It seems like the rest of the world had higher expectations. So um, he has a good summer this year. He gets in great shape. He stays out of uh, some injuries. I expect him to have a, a really big year and be uh, a cog in our wheel, that's for sure. Yeah, I thought his biggest problem was just staying on the court. He would get into the game, he'd get in foul trouble, and it's hard for any player. I mean, you played. I didn't play, but I, I would think that if you get into a game and you're playing five minutes here, you got to sit down, then you're back in for five minutes, you got to sit down. It's hard to get into the flow of the game. It was like if he could just stay on the court for 15, 20 minutes consecutively, watch out. Yeah. Oh, no question. I mean, when he played 20 minutes or more, we played as a different team because in this league, if you have that physical low post presence, whether it's just defensively or offensively, you you adjust your game. And, and I guarantee you this, other teams adjusted their game when he was on, on the floor. And that for sure made a difference with the other players. So he took a lot of pressure off the other players. He's got to get better. There's no doubt about it. He's got to get in great shape. There's no doubt about it. We think we've got some plans in place to help him, uh, and, and we expect him to come back and be a better player. Pete Newell used to have a big man's camp. Obviously, Pete Newell's not around anymore. Is there anyone that you can have work with Greg on some of his footwork and you know things that Pete Newell might have worked with him on? We feel good about you know uh, Coach Bano uh, as a workout guy. This will be the first year he's had him. Um, Monty does a terrific job. But uh, we'll look to ask uh, some people. You know, there's there's camps in um, in Vegas, the Newell camp, the Gerg camp, and uh, uh, you know, if he plays in the uh, Olympic Select uh, team uh, in September, or excuse me, in July, end of July, you know, he'll only get better playing against the best players. Kevin, just a few more questions for you. Uh, in Major League Baseball, we've seen a trend towards hiring GMs who use quantitative analysis and numbers to help them evaluate players and build their rosters. Billy Bean with the Oakland A's, Theo Epstein with the Boston Red Sox come to mind first. We've seen in the NBA we're heading in that direction a little bit. I look at Daryl Morey in Houston with the Rockets. You're a numbers guy, but you also played uh, college basketball and played in the NBA. Who understands the game? Who has more of an advantage today? The ex-jock as the GM or maybe the, the numbers guy who understands the business side a little bit better? I think the best of both worlds is someone who at least attempts to understand both because I don't think numbers can truly uh, see everything. There's just basketball is too complex and there's too many variables. I think we can evaluate a player's efficient, uh, offensive 
efficiency, and we're getting very close to understanding that. But defensively, there's so many things that can't be traced by pure numbers. For example, we call it a stunt. There's a lot of stunts in basketball, whether you stunt to a shooter and get back to someone else, whether you do what's called a crackdown and really block out. Those can't be determined by numbers. So in my opinion, uh, hopefully it's, it's a piece of the pie, but you have to feel good about a player. You have to know that he has a, you know, a heart, that he, he is, he's determined to, to succeed. And, uh, you know, sometimes those things don't measure out truly with numbers. And I don't believe a player can be quantified by purely numbers, but I think you could use it. Yeah, I mean, I, I read that article in the New York Times earlier in the season about uh, Shane Battier and that this guy doesn't fill up a stat sheet. But if you look at wins and you look at a guy with heart, there's there's an ideal player right there. He just wins. No no question. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of guys out there. And what I would say is as much as they feel strongly about their player, we have one that is off the charts that way, and that's Joel Prisbilla. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't produce a lot of numbers, but when he plays, we win. And uh, so there are ways of measuring players without looking just at their, you know, prototyp- prototypical stats. Let's put it that way. Last question for you. You guys did something that I thought was really cool last summer, uh, right when Nate got back from the Olympics, I think it was. You and your basketball operations staff took a retreat with several of the Trailblazers' senior business operations staffers. Mm-hmm. I think you went to Tucson. I've heard a little bit of the detail about it. What did you learn about the the their world, the business operations world that maybe you didn't know? And, and what did they learn about your world so you guys can work together going forward? Because not a lot of organizations are bringing their sports side and their business side together like you guys did last summer. Well, you know, first thing, Brian, is we don't feel like that they're sides. We're both on the same side. Right. And there's this mutual respect that I have and I hope they have for for us down here in that we we all want to win and we want to win in multiple ways. We don't want to win just on the court. We want to win, you know, uh, from our fan base. We want to understand that, you know, we want to have good guys in here. We want to, you know, have a full rose garden. Uh, So there's a lot of definitions of success. And I think when you get in the same room, you understand that there are many uh, levels of success, and we, we, we choose to um, identify and help each other as much as we can. Well, and it seems like it trickles down to the players, too. I mean, your players are so involved in the community, and, you know, they do things with sponsors. And, you know, let's face it, uh, a few years ago, that wasn't the case. So it's so refreshing to see that that is the case now. Yeah, no question. Um, you look at our leadership in our locker room between – Joel Blake, LaMarcus, Brandon, uh, and then some of our younger guys, they, you know, some of them live here on the off season. They want to be here and um, they want to help this community. And we, we, we try the best we can to target those kind of players that feel like that that's important. Well, Kevin, I know you're very busy. Best of luck with the upcoming NBA draft. Congratulations on a fantastic season last year. And uh, I'll look forward to catching up with you again soon. Sounds good, Brian. Thank you very much. Yep. Guests appearing during our Sports Sense segment will be treated to the gold standard of all steakhouses, Morton's the Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. For the Morton's nearest you, go online to mortons.com. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is 
is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. We live in an age where everything is on the record. What we say anywhere, whether it's in an elevator, in an email, or during a conversation with a reporter, is now being broadcast instantaneously on YouTube, in a blog, or through the mass media. It's easier than ever to spot someone who has been traditionally media trained and is just giving you that same old boring PR speak. I want to help you navigate the tricky media landscape. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form Evergreen Media Training. Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training monitoring and feedback, we'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Well, we told you about Manchester United's New Jersey sponsorship deal with Aon. Well, domestically, the NFL's Houston Texans are trying to sell sponsorship patches on their players' practice uniforms this summer. This is a result of a new NFL rule that allows teams to create such partnerships. This is according to the Houston Chronicle. And the Phoenix Mercury are the first WNBA franchise to sell advertising space on their team uniform as the league adopts an aggressive new marketing approach driven by the need for increased sponsor revenue. Under the three-year deal with Arizona-based LifeLock, the Mercury's primary logo on both the home and away jerseys and the team's shooting shirts will be replaced by the LifeLock corporate logo. It's only a matter of time until we see probably some of our major sports have logos on them. We've seen them for years in Europe and other countries. Seems like we're headed that direction in the United States. A lot of thank yous on our show this week. Kevin Pritchard, the general manager of the Portland Trailblazers. Chris Wright, the president of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Moose Tracks Ice Cream. Check them out at moosetracks.com. Click on the store locator and find the Moose Tracks ice cream nearest you. Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Morton's The Steakhouse and Evergreen Media Training. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. You can also become our Facebook friend or follow me via Twitter, SB Radio. Find the links to those on our blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm Brian Berger. Have a fantastic week. We'll talk to you next week on Sports Business Radio. Greg Oden of the Portland Trailblazers supports the Ronald McDonald Houses. I'm a big fan of the houses. Happy to help them make a difference. He helps because he believes every hospitalized child should be near their family in tough times. And everyone can support this home away from home. When you purchase a McCafe Espresso drink or premium roast coffee, McDonald's donates a portion of proceeds to Ronald McDonald House charities in Oregon and Southwest Washington. At participating McDonald's for a limited time. A little change can make a big difference. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. <laughs> <laughs> 
Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at sportsbusinessradio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturdays. <laughs> <laughs> or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. 